leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it. Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike. To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win. Yes! LeBron And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Troy. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside my co-host and fellow SBC alum, Corbin Ford. I am Garrett Bougay, and on this week's episode, we're going to be breaking down the top of the NBA draft. Both Corbin and I have come up with our uh, our sort of big boards, uh, our, our rankings of the top 10 prospects we think that uh, are available in Wednesday's draft. So, uh, Corbin, this, this should be a lot of fun. I think we're going to start at 10 and go down to 1. But, uh, you know, now that we've kind of both spent some time studying this draft, uh, what are your thoughts on it as a whole? It's interesting. I think that uh, if you're looking for that that, that, that star, that um, like top tier, you know, one superstar guy, you're not gonna find it here. Uh, but I think that you will find some really good players as deep as like 16 to 20 um, in terms of guys who can make a you know relative impact on the on a team early uh, with some intriguing skill sets. Yeah, I I agree. I uh, yeah, I don't think the the top of the draft is very good. I, I think that's been. That's been kind of the consensus for for a while now, but yeah, as as I studied it more, the more I was impressed with just how solid uh, and and how surprised I was that you know the fifteenth guy might be pretty similar to the number eight guy. You know, I think it's um it's one of those things where if you're in the the late lottery or even in the the mid to late teens, I think you're still going to be able to find someone pretty solid. Uh, but uh, yeah, Corbin, let's let's get this started. Why don't you tell me who you have as the number ten prospect in the twenty twenty NBA draft? All right, so this was interesting. Uh, going through these guys was a lot of fun, but ultimately I finished with Kira Lewis or Kyra Lewis um, at number ten, and Kyra's a guy, this really fast point guard that I think 
reminds me, it's like a mix between like a Darren Fox and like a Dennis Schroeder in the sense that he's not like a like upper echelon playmaker. He's a very solid playmaker, very solid dribble, but his his end to end speed is is breathtaking to watch. I mean, the guy gets out and he's gone. That explosion. I think he would be a great guy that can kind of go go along. I don't know if he'd be your your point guard of the future. Uh, almost like a shoulder, I think. And, like, he's a really good combo guard that can play alongside these guys and really make an impact, um, whether it's for short burst, changing the tempo of the game, um, in the open floor, just creating a spot for a team, going coast to coast, doing a, 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 a odd man fast break. He can shoot the three really well. He can hit the pull-up three. Um, he's pretty solid, and I think that he's someone who can play alongside another um, – Yeah, I actually had Lewis as at number nine, so I think we're pretty close uh, as far as our take on him. I agree, the speed is breathtaking. Uh, the The issues I have is like if if you are going to compare him to say a De'Aaron Fox, Fox not only has that elite speed, but he has that elite sort of explosion around the basket, uh, and and I don't see that from Lewis. I don't see Lewis as some like terrific finisher around the rim, especially through contact. Uh, so that's an area where he's he's obviously going to have to develop some strength to improve on that. The shot form I thought looked looks decent, um, you know. So yeah, as you said, I think he's he's a guy that's going to be able to be on the ball and off the ball. Maybe a situation where yes, he's he's more on the ball to to initiate transition, but in the half court maybe more off the ball. But uh, you know, okay defender as well. Uh, he certainly is going to. Uh, to have to improve as 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 most rookies will in, in terms of his off ball defense, his help defense. But yeah, he's a guy at a, a guard out of Alabama that uh, has okay size and, and pretty decent athleticism and uh, a decent skill set. That yeah, he he's going to be a, a player. And I think as far as positionally in this draft, I think point guard is uh, is pretty solid. There there's a there's a decent number of guys that I think can help teams. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think that he's one that, again, I think his ability to play, I, I wouldn't put him as a starting point off the top. You know, I wouldn't put him as someone there. But someone who can play alongside another offensive initiator. I liked him before Chris Paul in Phoenix. I still actually might like him there. Um, you know, someone who can kind of play alongside both guys and, and really make some game-changing plays uh, potentially. Yeah, so uh, my number 10 is Patrick Williams, the forward from Florida State. Okay, that was my number nine. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so far we're, we're pretty similar. So, uh, about Williams, you know, the, the biggest issue I have about him is that he seems to me right now sort of locked in as a traditional power forward. I don't think he's quite quick enough to defend, uh, like, you know, your, your actual small forwards, your quicker wings, and, and especially not guards. And then he's also not quite strong enough at this stage to really be a five. I do, I do like his tools. I think he's a he's a very solid shot blocker. He's got good length. He's got good instincts protecting the rim. His uh, his jump shot, you know, his his standstill jumper doesn't look that great. But I think the form is solid, and and I think it's it's something where. You know, it's it's not uh, it's not smooth enough right now, but I think that could be fixed. But the pull-up jumper I thought was actually pretty impressive. He could hit the pull-up going either direction. 
Um, you know, the reason I have him as a, as a top 10 prospect is I do think that in a few years, if he does develop enough muscle, that uh, he could be a decent small ball five, a guy that can give you some rim protection, can give you some of that floor spacing. Um, so, you know, he, he's not, uh, you know, if he was a guy that I think could defend threes, I would probably have him in the top five, but because I don't see that, uh, he's, he's more uh, in that, uh, that nine ten area. Yeah, he's weird to me. He's someone I think that can create a little bit off the bounce. You know, he made some tough, uh, contested jumpers. He can do a little bit with the ball, like, uh, like you said, his shots, it's, it's interesting. It's a lot better on the pull-ups, like you mentioned, than just the standstill shooting, but like, I think he has some solid plan-making chops, and he's like a little bit of everything, master of none kind of deal. Uh, but I think he's someone that can kind of slot in and, and just immediately be like a high-level role player in terms of being someone to rebound a little bit, um, use that skill and size on both ends, uh, be a great team defender. And then on, on the offensive end, maybe he's not someone you're going to create your own offense, you know, uh, like you're going to play through him, but he's someone that can kind of create a shot in a pinch, uh, maybe do a little more off a closeout than most catch-and-shoot guys and then create a little something off the dribble. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to, to your number eight then, Corbin. All right, so this is a little different, and I understand that, but I went with the Precious Etua. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I have a... He's, he's an interesting guy, and I, I know that most mods have him, you know, in between like the 10 and 15 range, but I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, you know, he, he has some issues, but I think his upside is what's intriguing to me. 6'9", he's, he's not the traditional NBA center, but he's a guy that I think would fit as the modern big meta that we see a lot. We saw how Bam played, I think everyone, and we're going to talk about another guy later on with this, but everyone's trying to model after that Bam type of hybrid big. I think he's someone that can do that with a 7'2 wingspan. He's someone that has um, uh, potentially be a really good high-level rebounder. He rebounded well in college over 10 a game. Uh, defensively, he can get at people. He has good foot speed, good athleticism. Um, close out well. His shooting is interesting. Now, his rim running and, and entry alone will make him, I think, a pretty decent pick and roll guy off, off the bat. Just like most bigs can, just kind of off the pick and roll, off the putbacks, um, just kind of making a mess down basket, getting some shots up that way. Uh, he actually, though, has a little bit off the bounce. It's interesting as far as getting into the lane. Now, his shooting is what's weird because his free throw shooting, it was 59% in Memphis. That's not good at all. But then he did shoot 32% from three. Now, He's not a good three-point shooter, and usually if you look at free throw shooting as an indicator of three-point success, then not great. But, like, looking at it, it looked decent. It just seems sometimes that he wouldn't really shoot the three. Um, but in general, I think that if he focuses on his shooting and becomes not only a much more uh, better free throw shooter, but that that three-point shot has, it doesn't look it doesn't look that crazy. I think he can develop that out. And if that's the case, then you open up a little more upset on the offensive end. Then I think his energy uh, alone will kind of help him on the defensive side. Yeah, he um, he's a guy that I didn't have in my top ten, but I certainly love him as a defensive uh, prospect. But uh, yeah, the offensive concerns you mentioned, the free throw shooting. Uh, you know, I, I question whether that jump shot's ever going to work for him, and and he seems pretty raw in in a lot of the other areas in terms of post up game, ball handling, all of that stuff. So. Uh, for me, he's got a long way to go if he wants to even be an average offensive player in the NBA, but certainly a guys at his age with his athleticism, if, if they have the work ethic, can, can develop into solid NBA players. So, you know, I have no problem with that. He, he seems to me a guy that I think Sam Presti would, would love to draft with his uh, athleticism. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, he has a type and, and presses that, that I think he actually showed more and more flash, even with his inconsistent walk outside shooting. I think he shows even more flash with it than some of the other prospects he's drafted in the past. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go to my number eight now, and that is Aaron Nesmith, forward out of Vanderbilt. Okay. So, okay, good. I, okay. So this, to me, is the best shooter in this draft. Uh, he shot over 50% from three in college, uh, and he he did it not only from, from catch and shoots, but uh, they ran a lot of actions to, uh, to get him coming off of screens, getting him off of that elevator action so he can catch and shoot on the move. He's got great versatility to that jump shot. And what's really intriguing, you know, he's got good wing size as well. You know, you talk about... Uh, um, Cameron Johnson in the draft last year went number 11, and he turned into a, a, a solid a solid rookie for the Phoenix Suns. Nesmith is younger than Johnson, so theoretically has more room to develop, and he's also got more athleticism than Johnson had. So I think he could even become an average to even slightly above average defensive player combined with elite three-point shooting. That player is immensely valuable. Shooting is great as well. Um, I, I think that his size and ability—he's not in my top ten. He's just kind of out of it for me. Um, I like him as a three and D guy. I think a lot of people when he, he got up a lot of threes. I think that he was—I don't know. I, maybe I don't have a, a lot of faith in it transferring as well into uh, the NBA as say Cam Johnson did, but like he did shoot fifty-two percent. That—that is pretty crazy. At the same time, I think athletically, I'm not as high on that. Um, I don't know if I compare him to Cam Johnson in that way, but I guess I'm using a knock against someone defensive and especially. I mean, Cam Johnson didn't come up with a reputation defender to begin with, so I can't really give it to him. And I, I don't know. I think he had that, that stress factor in his right foot I remember looking at. I don't know how much that weighs into, um, or if, if it does at all, into evaluating as far as injuries are concerned. But, like, uh, that's something I'm looking at. Someone who, okay, at best, you're looking at, like, a Clay Thompson, Cameron Payne, kind of middle of the range but if he's someone who, okay, is just going to shoot threes and not athletically in that vein, it doesn't translate to playing defense at the next level, where do you put him at? And I, and I don't know where I have him on that one. So he's, the shooting alone, along with the 6'6 six, six side, is what had me high on him, but he falls outside my top ten. Yeah, the, um, you know, I certainly don't think his athleticism is good or even great, but again, I think he could, he is uh, probably, I would put him as like an average NBA athlete right now. And I think he could maybe develop to being a slightly above-average athlete. Uh, and, and that, again, I think he, he has the capability with his size to become at least an average to slightly above-average defender. Does that, you know, he, he's not going to be a wing stopper by any sense of the word, but can he get to a level of like a Harrison Barnes on that end of the floor? I think that's possible with that shooting. The, the other concern I think a lot of people have about him is he's, He's apparently a horrendous passer. Um, he uh, consistently just kind of has his head down, isn't looking for teammates. The one thing that uh, you know makes me kind of optimistic is you've watched guys like J.J. Redick, Joe Harris, those elite shooters, and you can almost just sort of teach them what passes they need to make in certain situations, you know, coming off of curls, coming off of down screens when the two people come at you, make that simple pocket pass, 
and it's almost one of those things where you can just kind of, um, you know, with repetition learn how to make those passes. It doesn't necessarily have to be this thing where you've got this natural feel as a passer. So I, I certainly think he can be a, a well above average offensive player, and, and even if he gets to average on the defensive end at the wing, uh, having a guy at, at that sort of level is a guy that, that makes $15 million plus in the NBA these days. Oh, yeah. No, as far as being a solid player, I definitely see that. He's someone, again, just shows the, 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 the depth in this class of, of guys who can kind of come in. And, yeah, they're not going to be, like, great talents off the bat, but they have spots they can fill and skill sets they can provide that will have them stick around for a while. All right, so uh, let's move on to your number seven. All right, number seven for me, Devin Vassell. I've got him at seven as well. There we are. Let's go. We finally got our first match. Um, so, I mean, he led uh, the Seminoles in points and rebounds. He shot the three at a 41% clip. Uh, it was pretty hot for him. That helped stretch defenses. He was able to show some ball handling that I thought was interesting, a nice element to that 3 and D type of player. Uh, but he's also able to score really well off ball, and I thought that was cool, finishing um, above the rim, having a 6'7 height and a 6'10 wingspan. Uh, you know, you have that size, you have that athleticism that helps on both ends of the floor. Not only be able to convert shots at a high level, both from three, but also at the basket, but then on the defensive end, being able to guard multiple positions and then give some good contests at the rim. So I think if he kind of bulks up a little bit more, uh, you might have a, a real good monster on both sides of the court. Uh, and that, that's what I looked at. His three-point shooting, very solid. Um, I think I love the addition of him being able to put the ball on the floor and create his own shots a little bit better than maybe, well, not than maybe, but better than a Patrick Williams, um, able to score the ball in multiple different ways and having that wingspan and then that build to kind of guard on the other end as well. So that's why I'm high on. He's not exactly someone that I think you look at as like a, a post-up guy or even someone that like consistently takes you off the dribble, but I think he's like a, a little jack-of-all-trades at a higher level. Interesting. So... You know, I'm higher on Vassell than I am on Williams, but not because of the offensive end. Um, I, I think Williams actually, I liked his pull-up game and his off-the-bounce game more than Vassell, but I didn't think that Williams could defend threes, whereas I think Vassell can defend, especially, as you said, if he bulks up, I think Vassell could defend one through four at the next level. I think he's that level of a defender at six seven with a really good wingspan, really great lateral quickness. Um, and, you know, on the offensive end, he, he shot 41% from three. The, the release is a little funky. It's kind of over his head a bit. It's a little bit of a slower release, so the versatility on it is a bit of a question mark. But I am very confident that he's going to be a, a plus defensive player pretty much right away, and I think he has all defense potential. Uh, the, the challenge for me with, you know, with Vassal and why he's not necessarily in my top five is I question the offensive upside. You know, I, I question how he becomes, you know, I think he, he probably, my bet for him is he becomes like a better version of Royce O'Neal. Um, but uh, my, my question is, you know, how does, how does he get beyond that into all-star territory? See, I'm really high on his playmaking, uh, at least ability. Um, I thought he was a lot better off the bounce in terms of, I mean, his assist didn't show it, but just in terms of creating his shot, I actually liked it better. Uh, and maybe I'm looking at the combination of both offensive creativity as well as the defensive upside that obviously Vassal holds in a much greater quantity than Williams that I'm high on. So I think he's pretty solid and that I could see him 
growing into a team where he can kind of develop in that in, in a role where you know he, he almost like a Mikel Bridges in a way where you know he kind of comes in he has a, a defined role three on one and D on the other but he'll have times where he can kind of showcase this 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 multi tiered offensive game that I think he has the potential of really reaching. Yeah, I mean, if he's got the offensive potential that you're talking about, I probably would even, if I agreed with that, I'd probably even consider him more towards the top five. I think he's that good defensively. So if his offensive game is, is uh, you know, if he's got some versatility to it and he's more than just a really good catch-and-shoot guy, I think he's uh, he's got the potential to be a really darn good starter on, on championship-level teams for a long, long time. So... Uh, let's move on now to uh, to your number six. Oh, I forgot we both shared number seven. All right, okay. So my number six is uh, Onyeka Kungu. Um, I am. I, I guess I have a type. I already brought up uh, Precious Achua before, and I'm going with another like six nine kind of big. But I like um, Onyeka or Kungu. Uh, I think that he's the best big in in the draft, or has the potential to be the best big. I actually, uh, I guess we'll get to who obviously we all know, uh, number one. But I like his versatility on the defensive end. I think that he showed a little bit at USC that he could be a go-to option and in moments on the offensive end uh, as well. He averaged 16 points, eight boards, and, and, and shot pretty well outside of three. I think he's a guy who's going to work really well in the pick and roll, um, very much like the modern thing in that vein. He doesn't probably have the, the, not probably, he doesn't have the stretch of game or the stretch game potential that a shoe a flash, although I do think he was a better uh, free throw shooter if I'm remembering right. I got to look at my numbers here. But off the pick and roll, again, great motor. He finishes well. He can post up really well with a few good token moves. Um, he, he, he's pretty nice to me. I think that his offensive awareness can be a problem as far as passing out of double teams or just passing out of the post in general. But I love his athleticism and how it presents itself, mostly on the defensive end, shot blocking, you know, rebounding. Uh, again, I brought that motor. I think that that's kind of where he slots in. His weaknesses are everything else I guess you'd want from more of a modern big in terms of being able to be a face-up big, um, maybe being able to put the ball on the floor, depending on how you look at that, maybe able to flash a shooting. He shot 25% from three, didn't really look comfortable really stretching out his jump shot there. But in terms of being able to come in, fit a role, I like him. I mean, I'm, we're not doing a mock draft, but like I like him in Washington in terms of, okay, here's what I can do. I do that well, and I can also do a few other things on the offensive that will work for primary offensive initiators. Yeah, so um, I'm actually even higher on a Kongwu than six, uh, significantly so, so we will get to that in a bit. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him later. Uh, but but yes, I'm, I'm in agreement with a lot of the things you just said. So we'll, we'll go to my six here, and that is Tyrese Halliburton. Okay, okay. So he... he... He, he was up there for me. Um, I actually had him number four, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear what you have to say about him. Okay, so uh, Halliburton, a guard out of Iowa State. He honestly reminds me, watching him in terms of his shiftiness, his craftiness in the pick and roll, he reminds me of DeLon Wright. Um, and, and especially also on the defensive end, being that sort of defensive playmaker. The, the reason I, you know, I think Halliburton has a chance to be a lot better than DeLod Wright is the jump shot. Uh, the dude shot, uh, you know, over 40% from three. Very, you know, funky sort of form, but it's a pretty quick release, and it's consistent. You know, uh, that's, that's the one thing that, um, 
you know, when, when you talk about a form that's a little unorthodox, you, you worry about it kind of being all over the place and it not, it not being consistent. But with Halliburton, despite it being quite unique, I, I feel like it's pretty much the same, the same form every time. Uh, and, you know, I, I really do believe in him as uh, being one of the better shooters in the draft. And you combine that with his ability to, uh, to, to work as a ball handler in the pick and roll and his defensive chops. I don't think he's like some lockdown one-on-one defender, but as a team defender, again, similar to DeLon Wright, I think he's really excellent. At uh, He'll get some steals, he'll make plays, he'll get deflections, he'll disrupt things. Uh, so yeah, I, I really like his all-around play. I think he's a guy that's going to be above average on both ends of the floor. Probably doesn't have that superstar upside, but... Uh, for for these teams that are already like pretty decent to good now, I think he's a he's a perfect guy to to step up and, and fill in and, and be a solid starter pretty much right out of the gate. Yeah, I agree. I like his craftiness getting to the basket. You know, using that footwork, using his euro steps, the spin moves, his jump shot. Like you said, it's a stiff, um, interesting affair, but um, it works really well. Uh, I mean, he made forty one percent of his threes on normal six attempts a game, so. I'm definitely, and maybe I'm modeled after my own basketball playing experience, but like, if it goes in, I don't really care how it looks if it goes in consistently. So, that works. Um, and this was on a team that Iowa State, I looked this up, uh, no other player hit more than 33% of their threes on that team. So, like, I'm sure they had a lot more functional, more generic three point looking strokes, and yet Halliburton's uh, winning at a higher clip. So, I'm going to go with that. The year before that, he made 43% of his threes, so I think it shows that that shot is pretty solid in terms of where it's at. Um, it is unorthodox, but, I mean, it works. Um, aside from that, I, like you said, I think that his versatility both ends will help. You know, he, he takes care of the ball really well. His handle seems pretty solid. Defensively, um, he'll hold up well, even if he, I think he needs to add a little more bulk, a little more muscle. And I don't know if, if his athleticism will wow you. Like I said, I, I call it his uh, finishing crafty, which is almost codenamed for no, not going to overpower you with raw athleticism. But, like, in general, I do like Halliburton. Yeah, again, the, the craftiness with his finishing reminded me. I kept watching and kept say, seeing DeLon Wright in his uh, in his pick-and-roll game, his craftiness, you know how Wright will will be dribbling and, and kind of seem like he's going uh, nowhere, and then all of a sudden he'll just quickly cross over and get to full speed and, and catch the defense off guard. There was a lot of that I saw with Halliburton, uh, the patience in his offensive game as well. Yeah, he's a guy that uh, that I that I think is really good. I'm glad to hear that uh, that you like him uh, quite a bit as well. So uh, let's move on to. I, I think this is where uh, you're going to start to be surprised by some of my selections. So do you want to hear who I have at number five? Um, yes, because I almost feel like we might have. Yes, let's see who you got at number five first. At number five, I have Anthony Edwards. Yeah, we totally differ. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Let's hear who you have at five.
the way that he attacks the basket and hits multiple different shots is really intriguing alongside his playmaking. So that's what happened number five. He's intriguing, uh, but I do worry about that three-point shooting. Shooting 27% from three as a primary offensive initiator uh, coming in, not growing in, but coming in as the potential of that uh, does not allow me in the slightest. Yeah, that was one of my concerns. I don't have Advia in my uh, in my top ten, and my my big concern. Yeah, I have a couple of concerns. One is the jump shot. You know, if if that jump shot isn't falling, not only does that impact his ability on the ball, but it also um, makes him a struggle to for teams to to put him on on the floor off the ball. Um, but then also, you know, his, his on-the-ball ability, it's decent. You know, yes, he is a very skilled basketball player. He's also got pretty good basketball IQ. But I question that athleticism, whether that's at a level where this guy is going to, um, you know, beat players off the dribble consistently, finish at the rim through size and contact consistently. And if he can't do those things, then despite the passing, despite the ball handling, you've got to wonder whether he's capable of being a number one option or even a number two option on on a good basketball team. So because I question that high-level upside and, you know, if he doesn't have that high-level upside, his off-the-ball, you know, ability is very predicated on that jump shot, uh, that's that's where I'm a bit concerned uh, about him. But, yes, he certainly is a, a, a very fun player to watch, and he, he's got a lot of skill and a lot of b-ball IQ. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it is funny because I, I know a lot of people question that about Doncic, you know, whether he has the had the athleticism to beat people off the dribble. Um, and just because Doncic proved those people wrong doesn't mean that that concern isn't valid. Just because he did, it doesn't mean that just a grand, oh, well, Don says that everyone can. Like, that's still something that's very concerning. It needs to be evaluated. Every case is different. But you have to lean toward having at least some trepidation in that vein until proven otherwise. Yeah, so do you want to hear why I'm a little bit, uh, I, I assume you have Edwards really high up on your board. So uh, I mean, listen, I, I don't want to bury the lead on that. I can tell you where, but yes, I, I, I hold him in high regard, especially considering this draft and everyone in it. But, but sure, right, right on the parade here. Let's get it. <laughs> so, I mean... As far as the, you know, high-level upside, he's got it. I mean, the athleticism, the size is terrific. Right. Just just in in terms of, you know, if you were if you were creating, if you were creating a player in a lab, Anthony Edwards would be sort of the size for a shooting guard at least, would be the size and that athlete that that you would you would come up with. Um, my my big concern is the the jumper and the 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 consistency with in terms of his motor, and also you know that he's he's not the strongest passer, and you know we've we've heard people compare him to the likes of Andrew Wiggins, and uh, you know because Wiggins is another guy that has all of the tools in the world, but because he doesn't have that that drive that you need, he's never really been able to to fulfill even being a, a good player or even an average player in the NBA. Um, and, you know, my other concern, you know, thinking of a player like Zach Levine, Levine has developed the jump shot and he's, you know, become a very skilled player with his athleticism, but his over-reliance on, on taking jump shots, his, uh, you know, his lack of skill as a, and feel as a passer has sort of, in my mind, limited Levine's ability to impact winning. 
And that's where I'm afraid that Anthony Edwards is going to be this guy that, yes, has all the athleticism in the world but lacks the motor, has all the skill in the world and maybe averages 20-plus points a game like Levine but doesn't help a team win basketball games. So, uh, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm lower on Edwards. His ceiling, obviously, is as high or, or maybe higher than anyone in this draft. But the floor, I think, is pretty low. And even the median outcome... I, I am a bit concerned about that. You know, I, I think he could just be a, a good stats, bad team player. I, I get you on that. I respect it. Um, all these concerns that you mentioned are very valid. I just tend to look at the more optimistic side. I know he gets a lot of Andrew Wiggins comparisons, and I totally, that was my first one as well. But I've also heard some on the positive side that I also like as well, and that's more like Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, not in the way of, Obviously, two different players, everything there, but almost in terms of that that motor question, that that headspace question that a lot of people had about Simmons going in. And it was like, hey, the situation was different. Hey, you know, he was just in a he wasn't he was immature. He wasn't ready. Like that's not always a given to translate into the NBA, especially when playing in a system is going to require more discipline. I think that his physical gifts alone will translate better to the NBA because he is the most physically gifted athlete in this class. I think he's built like a linebacker. He can guys on the court. He can use his dribble and get into his pull-up game. Uh, he can get to the free throw line. I think he'll find himself to the line often, uh, even as a rookie. Some of that, I think, finishes well in the, in the half court, uh, especially on the fast break, though. I think that a lot of the shots that he took were more of the situation of who he's playing with, and also just, hey, uh, a bad team chucking up a lot of shots. Same with the passing. I mean, that team sucks from what I've seen. His basketball IQ and core vision are pretty rough to begin with. I've seen, heard that from all over. So I, I, that has to play a role in it in something. You know what I mean? Like, that, that that's definitely an issue there. But I think that some of these things will work out better when he gets into the NBA. Uh, there are some concerns. I didn't really like his pro day. But then again, like, who am I to judge a pro day? You know what I mean? Uh, it, it turns out that maybe some of these guys aren't the best interviews. And then when the game goes, they'll be able to um, – to show up, and I think that just off of what he brings to the table as he is right now, like we're not even talking about what he can kind of grow into become, and if he gets a jump shot, if he does this, but as he is right now, I think he's a solid NBA player. So if he lives up to some of the unruly top potential that he has, I think it's a no, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah, I mean, again, like the the three pointer is a concern. Shot just twenty nine point four percent on uh, on threes and. The, the, the other concern offensively I have with him is that you mentioned his ability to get to the rim, and yes, like when, when he's able to, to stroll down the lane and, and dunk it, he looks really impressive, but he often was resorting to three-pointers off the dribble, pull up to 18 to 20-footers, um, and I think like 60-plus percent of his shot attempts were, were uh, mid- to, to long-range jumpers. And when when he was not converting those, that's that's really that's really concerning. Um, so you know, yeah, if the, if the shot comes around, if as you said, he's similar to a Ben Simmons or even a Markel Fultz, where the defense, the motor that was concerning in college, is just they just flip a switch once they get to the NBA. That's uh, that's great. But if it doesn't, if the motor is like Andrew Wiggins, if the shot selection continues to be like Zach Levine. And the you know the the passing feel never comes around. I, I, I do have a lot of reservations, but but yes, like uh, you know the the high end outcome for him is a guy that uh, that 
can can be a relentless rim attacker, can can hit threes. His form looks decent. Um, so yeah, he he's got to, he's got all the tools. But yeah, it's it's just a matter of and and that's why these these drafts and and sort of projecting this stuff is so difficult because uh, you know a lot of it just comes down to how the guy's work ethic ends up panning out, and uh, I think that's going to be a lot of uh, what's involved in, in determining how Edwards' career goes. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm, I'm with you on that, and I think that uh, that three-point shooting to me is almost deceiving because a lot of it, I think, was just the result of poor shot selection. Same with LaMelo Ball when we get into him. Like, I don't know how much I can take away from, so I think, I guess, it's the type of shots that you're getting, you know? Because not all 28% are created equal. Uh, we're going to talk about, at least I am, another guy who shot just a shade worse than um, Edwards did, but I'm much, much less hopeful on his shot. And I think some of it is the type of shots you're generating, and then if you can knock them down. So you have to knock Edwards on his shot selection just because a lot of them, yeah, shooting 29%, but the degree of difficulty on them was really high. And in his case, unnecessarily high. But at the same time, um, I think that his shot looks good. It looks consistent. looks like something we're in the right frame with NBA-level teammates and a good scheme and, and, and someone also, also to get on him and get him more within a role of, hey, you can't take those shots. You're not that guy. That uh, that will translate into a better percentages. Yeah, the 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 shot selection thing is interesting because it seems it seems obvious that that, that is a place for improvement for guys. You get you know you get in front of NBA coaches and they tell you, hey, this is a bad shot. This is a good shot. Um, stop taking the the uh, the former and start taking more of the latter. Uh, but you know some guys never get out of that. You know some guys sure. are just. You know, it's it's more a matter of their basketball IQ, and um, so so that is that is one thing to keep in mind. That yes, that is like a lot of things is something that a player can improve, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they will. Oh yeah, no, 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 definitely not. And I'm with you on that. I'm just I always tend to assume that if you're going to a higher level of play, that that's something that I always will assume that will come. And then if you don't get that, I look at like a Donovan Mitchell, guys who they didn't have as wild. Um, shots as, as Edwards did. When they first got in the league, they weren't playing within themselves. They were kind of going and, and just putting shots up. You know, shot selection was something that was a knock, and then he got much improved later in the year into year two, and I think that I always want to presume that some that will carry over. Of course, you have the guys who, you know, they'll never know what a good shot is from a bad shot, but from watching what I've watched and, and hearing Tom Green talk, I think a lot of it was, hey, you know, it's not a great team. Do what you got to do. Knock yourself out. Yeah, so uh, let's move on to to number four. And again, I think this this my number four might surprise you. So you want me to go with that first? Yeah, let's hear it. I've got James Wiseman. Whoa, that does surprise me. I have Lamelo Ball. Okay, you've got Ball at four. Okay, interesting. So um, let's talk Wiseman first for a bit, and then we'll we'll get to Ball. Um, so. My concern about Wiseman watching the tape is he seems very much like way too jump shot happy. It's one of those one of those bigs that has all of the tools that he can just dominate in the interior and yet chooses to stay out on the perimeter and, and take 18-footers to prove to people that, hey, I've got skill, you know? And uh, that always just terrifies me. Um, you know, there, there are questions, same with Edwards, um, that... Uh, relate to Wiseman in terms of the motor. Uh, I also, you know, question at times his physicality. Uh, he also seems undisciplined in terms of being too jump-happy to try to get shot blocks. 
So in a lot of ways, he reminds me a bit of like a Hassan Whiteside, a guy that has all of the tools and athleticism in the world, but uh, yeah, wants to take jump shots, doesn't uh, get physical enough at times, and also isn't disciplined and and doesn't stay on his feet and in position defensively. So yeah, I have a lot of concerns. The one positive with Wiseman is it does seem like he has a decent work ethic, at least in terms of his body. They've show, there's been some photos that have circulated that he uh, he is in terrific shape and has, has, has also added muscle since his college days. But, you know, I do think that his floor is like a Hassan Whiteside. Um, you know, and, and people might say, well, Whiteside has, has uh, made a ton of money in the NBA. He's put up huge statistical numbers, especially on the glass. And I think I think Wiseman can do that as well. But if that is uh, your floor or even maybe, say, your median outcome, I don't necessarily think that is a player that, that helps a team win games. I don't think Hassan Whiteside and Andre Drummond are that great of contributors despite their uh, their crazy statistical profile. I, I get you on that. I mean, for me, I think... I don't know. I, I think you, you get a guy with seven foot, seven six wingspan, and the athleticism the way he's able to be a pretty good rim protector, maybe a good help defender, someone who can do well on switches and at least would be a good uh, pick-and-roll partner, especially with a, a strong ball handler. And early in the draft, you're going to have a few guys, whether it's Steph Curry or, or even, I, I doubt it's going to be a, a, a D'Angelo Russell, but uh, a Steph Curry, or I'll even take a um, Devontae Graham, and someone who can at least provide some gravity as a shooter to let you roam and wreak havoc in the post. I'm off this pick and roll. I think the, the work ethic and his shot selection is something that's an issue. Uh, I've heard this a lot, but apparently he thinks of himself as like a um, Lamarcus Aldridge uh, or, like you said, a um, Hassan Whiteside more than like you know, just a regular pick and roll partner. Uh, and someone who's just going to get his buckets down low, you're not going to be taking those shots. But again, maybe I just have a higher feel on the teams that these guys may be going to. First with Edwards, then with Wiseman. I think if he goes to a team like the Warriors, they're going to stop that everyone with it. You're not going to be shooting shots like that. You're, you know what your job's going to be. It's going to be a pl- to slot your role. You know, you might get some rope later on to continue to kind of branch your game out, but for the moment, it's going to be, you know, hitting the paint, playing defense, uh, covering the, the backside, being a good hub defender, and then finishing around the rim. And so I think some of that will be negated when he goes into the pros and he knows that, hey, this won't fly. But then again, I think a lot of us to go, uh, it depends on the team he goes to. If he goes to Charlotte, then I think it's a little different. Then I think he will be uh, maybe – not encouraged to, to let it fly from outside more, but he'll have more of a green light to do so. Uh, and I think that could be an issue. But, like, from what he has going in, I just have to think that that's valuable in this NBA, especially when they want more players like that who have size and potential skill and can switch and stay on the floor come crunch time in games. Well, yeah, you make a great point, Corbin, that, uh, you know, we, we talked earlier, and as far as Edwards, a lot of it will just come down to a player's work ethic in terms of their success level. But also the situation. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that Wiseman, I think going to Golden State would be the perfect opportunity for him. Uh, he'll have a, a mentor in, in Draymond Green to learn about uh, you know being disciplined and, and knowing your rotations defensively. And then, yes, on the offensive end, they have an actual system and they've got a, a couple of guys that I think Wiseman will, will walk into and know that they're better offensive players than he is and better shooters, obviously, as well. So, yeah, the, the situation is, is uh, critically important to how a lot of these uh, young players' careers pan out. Um, 
and and yeah, just the the length, the athleticism, the skill set, it's all there. And 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 same with Edwards. Uh, I would say these two guys, Edwards and Wiseman, have the highest potential. I'm just lower, I think, than most on their their floor and also their average outcome. No, that makes perfect sense. I agree. I agree with you on that. I think that this is a good discussion exploration of how do we look at guys who have you know potential bursting up the seams, but in recent years. We've seen busts with that same type of, well, they have the talent, but can they get it together? And then we see the negative uh, of it not having worked out. Right. Uh, all right, so uh, let's see. Did we did we hear your number four yet? Oh, LaMelo Ball. Oh, correct. Yeah, let's let's get uh, let's. I have uh, I have LaMelo at three, so this is a perfect time to talk about him. What? Why? Why do you have LaMelo a little bit below the consensus? I'm just. Perhaps this was just, you know, my expectations were so high because I heard I heard a lot of people, including the Dunked On guys, say that LaMelo was in a tier of his own, um, you know, and, and again, I think the consensus for uh, the majority of, of GMs around the league would have LaMelo as their, their number one pick. Uh, and so I, I went in not only with those high expectations, but also thinking, okay, so... You know, Lonzo should not have been the number two pick in, in his draft. I think he was taken too high, given that we still don't know if he's a solid starter in the NBA yet, although I think he will get there. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, so this guy must be significantly better and have fewer weaknesses as well 
than Lonzo. And when I looked at them, I'm like, yeah, they they seem to have a lot of the same issues. Both of them have really not much of a, a mid-range game. Um, LaMelo does have a, a floater that I think Lonzo does not have, and, and LaMelo was, was pretty successful with that floater, so that is something. But he doesn't have a pull-up mid-ranger at all. Um, and he often resorts to 20-foot floaters as well. Um, the jump shot is just as concerning with LaMelo as Lonzo, and yes, I've heard the same thing you you mentioned where LaMelo is more confident, but uh, confidence means nothing if your form isn't good and if you're not actually good at said thing. So if he's not a good shooter and he has confidence in his shot, that's a negative. <laughs> um, um and then, you know, also the finishing at the rim uh, is, a, is another big, big concern. Lonzo, you know, is, is awful at that. LaMelo's a little better, but still, I would say, below average finishing. Uh, so so there's, a, there's a lot of concerns. You know, he's, he's a great passer. LaMelo's a great passer, just like his brother, maybe even slightly better. Um, uh, the, the, one, the one big differentiator that I noticed is that uh, in the half court, I think LaMelo has more shiftiness, more of that quick burst speed to get past people, um, you know, in a pick and roll situation to set up his passing more than Lonzo does. So that is, I think, for a lot of uh, a lot of people that have LaMelo so high is I think that's the big differentiator and probably that floater is that, uh, you know, if he can get into the teeth of the defense pretty consistently and then that will open up his passing, he can be a, a pretty decent creator in the half court. But I still have a lot of concerns. And as you said, you know, also the defensive end of the floor, he has showed less effort than Lonzo did in college. So there is there is that concern with that as well. But also, you know, we've seen with, uh, you mentioned earlier, with Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz and, and guys that showed little to no effort in college but have the defensive tools and then once they get to the NBA, they, they become good to great defenders. So, you know, LaMelo certainly has that capability to be a good defensive player, obviously a great passer, a great transition player. And then in the, in the half court, if the floater and the, the three-point shot develops, yeah, he could, he could be the kind of the all-around package. But there's a lot of things he's got to improve by a great deal to become that player. And that's where, you know, when, when it's one or two things that a guy has to improve to be great, I, I'm a lot more optimistic. But when it's four or five things, that's when I start to uh, question it a bit. Exactly. And with good reason. I mean, we see for, like, in front of us why, you know. And it, it's a few things that, like, if it works out well, great. But i got to see it to believe. And right now, not too high. I don't want to compare it on Lonzo just because they're brothers and everything, but like I hear the same type of language around the two, and and we saw that worked out. Like Lonzo is at best like the middle tier of the point guard starting, right? Like he's definitely not the generational Showtime talent that everyone thought he was coming in. And so I'm like, pump the brakes on a player that's very similar in certain ways, has some differences, but at the same time, like the resemblance is uncanny in certain respects. So pump the brakes. So so let's move on, Corbin, to your number three then. All right. Number three for me is James Wiseman. Uh, we talked about him a little bit more, so I'm not going to go too deep into him, but I already liked his physical traits. I think he'll be a great plug-and-play guy. If he goes to Golden State, I think he'll fit a great role where he won't uh, be the main guy, but yet he will still fill, fill a position need for that team um, in much the same way that he can learn how uh, Javel McGee and... and, and um, Zaza Pachulia did before him. 
kind of grow out some of the elements of his game that he'll need to rely on more, and then maybe over time be able to go and shoot a couple outside jumpers, open up some space, become more of a go-to guy in any way that a go-to guy is for a big in this NBA. But he would get more time to kind of develop that. Uh, you have to put some skills in for a win-now team if he sticks, but at the same time, you know, only in the ways that make him valuable to begin with, because no one's looking at James Wiseman and going, okay, we want him for his jump shot. We like his jump shot ability, but obviously that athleticism and length is what will make an immediate impact in the NBA, and especially for a team like the Warriors that need a big like that. Yeah, and Wiseman is an interesting test case as well because, you know, he only played three college games, so it's a very small sample. And we've seen uh, we've seen guys in, in previous drafts, uh, you know, that, uh, that had that limited experience. Of course, Kyrie Irving, I think, had a foot injury in college, maybe played 10 or 11 games at Duke. Uh, Darius Garland last year for the, the the Cavs pick at number five, I think he played less than less than a dozen games and in, in college. Um, so you know there are uh, and and you know Garland could still turn into something, but the rookie year was not promising. So there are there are question marks as to okay, is this small sample enough for us to to accurately evaluate him? And then with Wiseman, the, what's even more concerning is that apparently the, some of the the high school numbers. Uh, were were not as uh, as uh, off the charts as you would expect for a guy of his uh, size and athleticism, especially from a rebounding perspective. Yeah, yeah, I, and, and these are things I am definitely concerned about. Um, I just, I don't know. I I guess if he's going to Golden State, I like it. He's going to Charlotte. I think he'll get the most out of his. Um, whatever he wants to try to do in terms of more freedom to kind of shoot those shots and such, but I think that that works against his detriment. And you're right. That small sample size theater is crazy, and you're right. It could turn out like a Kyrie, where it doesn't matter that much. It could turn out like Gary's Garland, where, you know, the, 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 the book isn't out yet, but um, it seems like it's all pretty near written as to what he might be. Actually, that's way too early. It's only his, uh, his rookie year just passed. But at the same time, I think we've seen some things already that were like, okay, this, this is much what we, you know, kind of expected. So... I don't know. I think Wiseman's somewhere in the middle. At the same time, like I said, I'm really hard on his physical attributes, and I think that there is a way where he can just come in and just play within himself. And a lot of that's just being told, hey, this is what we need you to do. This is what you can't do. And a lot of that goes to what team he's selected by. Um, I don't think it's like, oh, um, there's a couple of things that he does in college that won't translate well to the pros. No. I think there's a lot of things that he did in college, even those three games that will translate well to the pros, and a few things that might make it better and might just have to be excised entirely from his game. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's got the potential with some versatility on both ends of the floor. Yeah, if you can shoot threes and be a rim runner, that makes you a valuable offensive piece uh, as as a center in the current NBA. So let's move on to to my number two, and it's a guy that you already brought up. I've got Anyeka Okongwu as my number two prospect in this twenty twenty draft. Oh, wow. Okay, you really high on him. Yeah. So. I, I think he's going to be a defensive stud. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of comparisons of him to Bam Adebayo, and uh, you know, I, I think in some ways that's accurate, in other ways it's not. I don't think he's going to be quite as great of a switch defender as Bam is. He doesn't have quite that elite lateral quickness that Bam has, but Okongwu I think is a better rim protector and is going to project to be a better rim protector than Bam. Um, so, I mean, I mean, uh, Akangu averaged 2.7 blocks per game in college. Uh, I also, as far as the offensive end, I think he's more skilled than Bam was as a freshman at Kentucky. 
Okongwu um, at USC, as, as you mentioned when you were talking about him, he's got that turnaround over either shoulder on the block. He's, he's kind of ambidextrous in his ability to finish around the basket. So I think he's going to be pretty good in terms of attacking mismatches on the block. He shot 72% from the free throw line, and his form, despite the fact that he wasn't shooting a lot in college, I think his form looks decent. I think he's going to project to be a decent mid-range shooter and could possibly even extend it out to the three-point line. So I even think he could be a better offensive center than Bam, maybe a slightly lesser defensive guy, but on the same par as Bam is where I kind of see this guy uh, guy kind of ending up, which, you know, if he's a top 15 player in the NBA, which, again, I think is his uh, ceiling, uh, that is, uh, in, in this particular draft, puts you right up near the top. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not as high on his shooting essay like a Precious Achua, um, maybe because a little shot form was funky, you know, Achua took and converted more, um, at least from deep, and I was more solid on that. But on the offensive end, I agree with you in terms of your comparison to Bam. He's going to be a lot more, I think, off the bat. Uh, well, not anymore now, but like coming in more so than Bam was um, versatile on the offensive end. And that can grow to become really, really good. On the defensive end, you're right. Kind of less than Bam as an impact maker. But if you're even getting 80% of what Bam provides, that's still very good uh, for a team when most teams don't even have a player like that. Everyone's looking for the next Bam. And right now, um, someone in in Congo is probably the closest to that as of now. And it's intriguing that he might have even more gifts on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, again, a guy that I think is could be well above average, like a B-plus to A-minus on both ends of the floor in, in today's uh, NBA, I think is is highly, highly valuable. Um, and, you know, I mentioned he's I, I don't think he can be as good of a switch defender as Bam. I still think he could be pretty good as a switch defender, but I think he's even going to be more effective in that drop traditional defensive pick-and-roll coverage than Bam is due to his uh, really good shot-blocking instincts. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm very high on him, and again, I think his uh, again I think he's a guy where the floor is pretty high, the the average outcome is pretty high, and the ceiling is pretty high. So that uh, that typically leads me to think that, uh, or, or typically leads me to to uh, be pretty high on a, a particular prospect. But uh, yeah, so so let's hear Corbin who you have at uh, at number two. Right, I have Isaac Corbin. Wow. Okay. So uh, this is uh, this is a pretty uh, drastic difference in uh, in our boards because I do not have him in my top ten. Wow. I thought you had Obi Top in your top ten. I don't have him in my top ten. <laughs> but wow. No, I have Isaac Okoro um, in mind. Uh, someone I think defensively is a total game changer in terms of being. Uh, he's one of the most athletic in, in general. Like. Just crazy. Um, having a good frame at 6'6", uh, 215, someone who on the defensive end makes high-level rotations. I think he's someone who anticipated really well from what I watched from him. Uh, but on the offensive end, forget the defensive end, because that was solid in and of itself. On the offensive end, he was a pretty good finisher, um, someone who uh, rebounded well, uh, had some decent playmaking chops, actually, in my opinion. Uh, at least made some decent reads. Uh, also, and this is a big knock on him, but to start with, he uh, hit a few off-the-dribble threes at times, so he flashed some solid shooting, and that's a positive. Uh, but off the bat, you know that you're getting someone who is one of the better athletes in the draft. Uh, if not for Anthony Edwards, I would say he's the best athlete in the draft. 
on the defensive end, someone who can come in and be an instant lockdown defender. Someone who used the most of his athleticism, um, both on the defensive end and finishing around the room in the offensive end. Has some solid playmaking. Now we got to get to the weaknesses. Uh, his shot mechanics are weird. Um, he knocked down some shots, okay, doing it, not look out other ones. He had a weird way where his elbows would tend to be out, and then sometimes he would release the ball going up. And so it was it was all over the place there. Um, as a result, he shot 28% from three, and this was the difference between Okoro and Anthony Edwards. I look at Anthony Edwards at 29%, okay, I go, okay, that can get better. I look at Okoro at 28%, I go, okay, that needs a lot of work. And I think that that's what's going to have to happen because – it just wasn't really good. He had a couple. Again, it was weird. He had a few that I watched that he shot better off the dribble, I guess, because of muscle memory and just getting into a, a form that he remembered more than he did off of the catch and shoot. Um, but either way, shooting is a real issue, and I think that goes back to his free throw shooting as well, which is also inconsistent, which also goes to his mid-range game, of which he has none. So uh, on that shooting kind of perimeter area, it's going to be bad. I don't know if you're looking at a um, Justice Winslow. I don't know if you're getting that type of guy and a guy who's a playmaker, great defender, but not a great shooter. Um, and if so, I mean, that kind of limits it, but I'm really high on what he can bring on that end. And I think that he can be worked with on the offensive end to really get that shot to at least semi-respectable. Um, and if he has that with these defensive gifts, I'm very high on him. Interesting. So, yeah, obviously, like I said, I, I am, I'm not as high. He's not in my top ten. Um, the... The uh, you know on the defensive end, I'm actually higher on Devin Vassell as a defender than I am on Acora. Wow. Um, and wow. and Acora, like when you when you just look at him, right? Like he looks like okay, this dude is has an NBA body, right? <laughs> like, um, yeah, he's he's filled out, that's for sure. But when you look at the actual measurements at six six and with a 6'9 wingspan, that's not, like, elite if you're talking about a shutdown defender. Vassal, for instance, I think has a 7-foot wingspan. Um, and you talk about a guy like OG Ananobi, who's one of the best one-on-one defenders in the NBA currently. He's 6'8 with a over 7-foot wingspan. Um, so that that is a bit concerning. I, I certainly think he's going to be a good defender. Uh, I do question whether that will lead to him being a great defender. Um, and, and on the offensive end, yes, I am very concerned about the jump shot. The form looks very wonky. <laughs> it's, uh, very debatable to me whether he, you know, ever becomes even decent from the mid-range. Um, uh, but yeah, like the, the ceiling for him, I guess, offensively, you're probably thinking like a Jimmy Butler, right? Where he's a guy that is a, a really good, uh, attacker of the rim and then develops enough of a mid-range shot that keeps defenses honest and, and uh, allows him to to get to the hoop, get to the free throw line, and kind of live in the paint. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I question the jump shot, and I question just due to the, those measurements whether the the defensive ceiling is as high as as maybe you think it is. I get you on that. I think from what I saw, though, like the sun was good and could get better, but like Okoro, like I think showed a lot more to me is how much more disruptive he is now. Than Vassell. It's like Vassell has the length, and, and you're right, measurements wise, um, not only is he probably better on that end, but can be, but like right now, I think Okoro most definitely is. And I think some of the value, if I'm looking at both them head to head defender, I'm definitely taking Okoro. I think Vassell has more value because he's kind of good on both ends, and he's intriguing in a variety of areas, but like, I like Vassell as a defender just, just hands down. 
You mean Okoro. <laughs> I mean Okoro. I talked myself out of it. No, I totally with you. I made a horrible mistake. The cell's number two. No, I'm playing. Um, no, I like Okoro hands down as a better defender. Yeah, the, the, the concern about Okoro also on the defensive end is the... Um, is a you know the steal rate I think is pretty low. Vassell averaged 1.4 steals uh, this this past season. Okoro, uh, as I'm pulling it up here, um, you know under a steal a game. Uh, so his activity in terms of being a defensive playmaker is a bit worrying. I, I again I think his uh, his ability to just uh, you know, stand his ground and not get bullied again due to that uh, that pretty good frame that he has is solid. But uh, I think Vassal has more of that uh, that playmaker, that uh, getting deflections, getting his hands on the ball again, partly due to that uh, superior wingspan. Um, so, so yeah, like um, you know, it, it, I guess a lot of it also comes down to. You know how versatile a defender is versus in a particular matchup. You know maybe maybe like Okoro might be the better guy to defend LeBron one on one just because he's got that superior strength. Whereas like Vassal, I think is maybe got that uh, got a higher potential as an off ball defender wreaking havoc and also with his versatility defensively. So a lot of it may just come down to what you prefer on that end. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I get what you're coming from, and I I respect it. So I, I think that you're right. It's kind of like a preference type thing. In which case, I mean, it remains to be seen. We're gonna find out in like just two short months. And I say that because I think I have two months. I have enough of a sample size, not because they'll start in two months. Much earlier than that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think we're we're ready for number one, and I think this might be a bit crazy because I, I I think you still do you still have Edwards left on your board? Is that I your? Do. He's my number one. Okay, so my number one is not in your top ten. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, we already talked about Edwards enough in my opinion, so let's get your number one. My number one is, is uh, I'm going with, uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with Kevin O'Connor. Killian Hayes is my number one prospect. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I thought that was an out-there pick for sure from O'Connor, but I respect him. I respect you, so I'm going to uh, tell, tell, tell the listeners and myself why. Well, I mean, I love his offensive ceiling. Uh, he's one of the best passers in the draft. You know, everyone will will uh, praise LaMelo Ball, and rightfully so. He is the best passer in this draft. But Killian Hayes is, uh, has got an argument to be number two on the list. And uh, he's, he's, uh, he's really good in terms of uh, his shot creation. He's already got the step back down already. He can, he can get to his own looks. He's an 87.6% free throw shooter, and I think his form looks pretty solid. So I project him to be an above average outside jump shooter uh, pretty soon. And, uh, you know, his weaknesses, like, for instance, his strength and his over reliance on his left hand, I think those are a couple of the things that are the most easily uh, fixable in uh, as far as uh, traits, you know. It, Strength, obviously, I feel like almost every prospect they they say you got to add some strength, and and that's something that everybody that that uh, ends up panning out ends up adding strength, um, and and then also you know you talk about that over reliance on the left hand, James Harden uh, and Manu Ginobili, those guys were um, you know didn't have a lot of skill with their right hand, but they developed it over the years, and also. You can scheme against that weakness. You know, you can put the guy on the right side of the floor 
and have him have the screen set so he's going to his left hand. Uh, so a lot of that, a lot of his weaknesses and the things that people are concerned about, I think are are, are going to be fixed. And then, yeah, that, that offensive package of the passing, the potential shooting, and the shot creation, it's, uh, it's really impressive. And, and to me, he's the guy that has the highest offensive upside. He's a guy that I could see in a few years being a top five offensive player in the league. Wow. Um, that is, that is good, Garrett. Wow. I, um, wow. I, I don't even, I don't, uh, wow. I, um, I see a lot of where you're coming from. I like his size. I definitely agree with you in terms of being one of the best playmakers in, in the draft. Uh, or not being one of, being the best playmaker. I even wrote that an article a while back saying that, yeah, I'm completely on, on board with, with, with Hayes' playmaking. Um, I do think that his lack of left hand and, and mind you, Manu Ginobili and, and James Harden are guys who were just so good as, as shooters and, and so good in, in getting around other ways that you're right. Like, we all knew they had the weakness and you couldn't stop them anyway. I don't see Killian Hayes as that player, at least off the bat. I think that, yes, you know, in, in, in a certain level you can do that. In the NBA, we all know you can't go left, and I don't think he has the weapons that those guys did that I go, okay, for one, his outside shooting, another guy who's up 30% from three, and I don't look at him as, I don't feel as good about him as I do about Anthony Edwards, I don't feel as bad about him as I do about Isaac Okoro, in terms of where he stands on the shooting, um, but especially for someone who can fall in love with his pull-up as much as he does, um, I still wouldn't, I, I don't consider him a threat out there that much, and I think that finishing around the rim is kind of inconsistent, so like, yeah, if all that comes together, could be. I definitely don't see that off the top. And I mean, I tell you, I have to do a little bit of stretching to see top five. I, I get where you're coming from. He has some elements. He has some of that James Harden step back ability. He has like bits and pieces of things, but like, I don't see it all together to go. Okay, that's the guy. I like, you know what I mean? It's it's like okay, I see a little bit here reminds me of this guy. A little bit here reminds me of this guy. But like, I, I don't know. I think his motor's a little all over the place. I think um, at least on the defensive end, it is. I think offensively, he can force it. I'm just not very. I'm not very high on him. I don't know why. I'm just, well, I mean, I just mentioned all the reasons why. <laughs> like, I, 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 the reason I say I don't know why is because, like, I hear you, I hear, I, I see um, Kevin O'Connor, and I'm like, wow, well, these guys, you know, they know basketball, and they like him, but I, every time I look at him, I see some things, I'm okay, I like it, very good playmaker, you know, when he, when, he, when he's uh, uh, focused, he can be a very good defender, someone who works wonders out the pick and roll, but then I see all these weaknesses, I'm just like, no, no, can't do it. He'd be number 11. Interesting, yeah. Um, so the 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 reason I think Killian Hayes won't succeed and maybe like wouldn't end up panning out to be one of the best players in this draft is you you brought it up in terms of his finishing hasn't been great, um, and I think a lot just comes down to his athleticism. I think he's a good athlete. Uh, I don't think he's he's not a great athlete by any stretch, but I, I do think he's a good athlete. I've heard a lot of people say that they're concerned about his level of burst, his ability to really beat guys with that first step. Um, and yeah, if, if that's the case, then yeah, maybe you know his offensive ceiling uh, goes down a peg or two. Uh, but from from what and, and again, I I don't want to pretend that like with any of these prospects, I watched a ton of film. Like I uh, you know I, I don't watch college basketball. I don't follow it closely. So this is really a. Uh, uh, the past couple of weeks, me going through the the uh, the basic scouting reports and, and watching 
you know, 30 minutes to an hour on these guys. So, uh, um, but, uh, you know, that, that is the big differentiator for me is I, I, from what I saw, I did see occasional quick bursts of athleticism where he, he was able to get by guys. And, and again, with his passing and his ability, if he can score at all three levels, if he's a threat from three and if he's a threat from the mid-range, that allows him to potentially use his craftiness to get all the way to the rim and finish. Um, you know, and uh, you know, somewhat like you know, Kyrie Irving is another guy that I would describe as a good, not great athlete. But because he's so good and crafty with his ball handling, his and uh, his ability to score everywhere, he's able to get past guys and and get to the rim using the threat of that jump shot. Uh, so so that's that's kind of what I see. And a lot of this is predicated on I, I typically believe that free throw shooting is a good indicator of uh, of your overall touch. And if he becomes a really good shooter then defenses have to press up on him, and that allows guys that even don't have that elite, elite quickness to get around them and, and, and get into the paint and, and all the way to the rim. No, that's true. I think he's going to be one of the, a few here that we've discussed that are very intriguing. A lot's going to see on where they fall, what type of team can optimize their skill set the best, and, and how that all comes together. So that's intriguing. Hayes is one of them for me. I had him at one point in my top five. In fact, when I did a... Uh, episode of, of a mock draft in the first round, I put him there. But um, then I started watching more, and I just like these other guys better. But it's going to be weird. It's, it's really, I mean, it's even the top as we've seen, it's so unpredictable in terms of who we like, what other teams may value, where these guys may fall, who might move. Um, nothing is set in stone. And it's funny, we're uh, literally, uh, what, a day away? And here we are. Yep, I mean, this will, uh, I'll, we'll be releasing this episode the day of the draft, so. Uh, so so yeah, people will uh, will get to see it and and again, I think this exercise doing the um, doing a big board I, I find more more interesting than a mock because like again we're, we're gonna find out the actual results here in, uh, in a very short period of time. I think it's more fun to kind of get a get a gauge for how I feel and of course you Corbin feel about these players and uh, yeah, maybe in a couple of years time we can look back on this and realize we're both idiots. It's it's really funny too that he, my number one prospect was your eleven and your number one was my number five. So I know, yeah, that was yeah. I, I thought it was funny. It's just knowing how we're both big fans of the game. We both look at it in different ways. It's probably the joy of it. Look at it in like in different ways, um, in some respects. And then when it comes to evaluating players, especially, uh, I knew we we're gonna have some fun with it. I just didn't know how different it was going to be. But. Uh, like that makes it hilarious to look back, and you're right. Like, kind of see where we land, and and yeah, you're you're number one. And when you went through my number one, midway through, I was like, Wait, what? And then <laughs> you were going through your one, and I'm like, uh, yeah, he didn't make the cut for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so so just looking at uh, our evaluations, it seems like the the biggest uh, the the two players that have the biggest gap to, gap in our feelings is uh, is Hayes and then Okoro. I'm I'm much lower on Okoro. You're much lower on Hayes. So yeah, it'll be. It'll be interesting, and yeah, of course, the draft will be really fun. And uh, you know, Corbin and I are also going to be recording a, a podcast right after this, which will air on uh, NBA Today, where we'll we'll be talking about various trades that have happened leading up to the draft. 
So uh, also, you know, if, if, if this isn't enough uh, uh, NBA content for you, go over and check NBA Today as well. But uh, Corbin, as always, thanks so much for coming on. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Oh, man, it really was. That's always good. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some, some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the, the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host, Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he, uh, he does, a, d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Leftovers or... The DMV Number 97 Or House cleaning Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun Play over a hundred different games online For free from anywhere You could redeem some serious prizes Chumbacasino.com Live the Chumba life No purchase necessary We're prohibited by law T plus terms and conditions apply See website for details Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.